my pistol. I don't have my gun. When I shoot, I miss. Have to focus right now. The beat, the stakes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 731 with our review of John Wick Chapter 4. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. This week, we have returned to theaters once again to watch John Wick kick ass um, and take names and, uh, you know go back to work after having been retired for so long <laughs> um so steven miller you had uh not i won't say famously but just it happened to be in our circles that you had watched john wick chapter one and somehow i had not make you made you go through and watch two or chapter three parabellum um and so so you got to experience everything um as as i did re re-experience everything uh this week so why don't we just kind of start off and uh, take a little nice little stroll through the world of John Wick and talk about our thoughts on the previous films before we get to our main review. Yeah, so we, I believe we recorded a review on the pod of the original John Wick. I like, I have a feeling that's why I watched it way back in 2014. Is that when it came out? A while so. ago. Yeah. And like, what's interesting is I believe I was a big fan of John Wick. I have not gone back and listened to that review. No one fact checked me. Um, <laughs> but I, I recall being a fan of the stunts, uh, liking the vibe of it. I assume I compared it to Max Payne as a gritty universe because that is just probably the comparison I would have made. I felt it again <laughs> when I rewatched John Wick 1 um, this weekend. I, I enjoyed it a ton. And for whatever reason, when Chapter 2 came out... I, I just didn't, I either didn't care enough to watch it or I was like traveling. And then when I came back, I didn't care enough to like catch up later. Um, so this weekend I watched, I started watching John Wick chapter two, five minutes in, I was like, I have to rewatch John Wick one before I dive into two <laughs> because they are referencing so many things <laughs> that it has literally been nine years since I've watched it. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I rewatched John Wick one dug it loved it thought i thought it was awesome very r ruthlessly expedient action movie it like it knows what it wants to do it wants to do headshot 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 get to the kill it's going to do it in a very stylistic way and it had those kind of rumors the hint of world building at the edges where it was like i don't need to tell you about everything you just need to know that the world exists that i totally dug i uh, dug again on second viewing chapter two I really enjoyed uh, because it widens the universe. Like I was texting yeah. you while I was watching it, I think. Um, I like that it widened it to have like the Cosa Nostra and the Camorra and like existing crime syndicates be a part of this crime universe. I love that it kind of became a... It, it went in like the Mission Impossible or Fast and Furious direction where like they're going to travel from now on. Like there will be new locations in every movie that they go with. Um there were some things that I thought were a little dumb with the world building. Got to be honest. Um, the stuff that was cool, but dumb if I think Name about it. one. Like, okay, <laughs> a very cool scene in John Wick Chapter 2 is when John Wick is preparing to infiltrate uh, this uh, Kimura event to assassinate the leader that he had to assassinate. And to do that, 
he's throwing coins all over the place, going shopping, going on a little Roman shopping spree. Yeah. And it is a montage of him talking to a sommelier, for example. And he, John Wick, this guy who is here to go on a mission that he does not want to go on, that he is not happy about at all, this like ruthlessly direct guy is asking things like, do you have anything for dessert? Do you have anything a little bit bolder? That is really fun in a montage. That does not fit at all with what the character would do in the moment. Um, I, there are certain <laughs> things that they did just to be like funny for you as a viewer that I don't think they would use code words when they're one-on-one -on -one getting something done. I think there's something about it that is performing for the audience in a way that I thought was uh, enjoyable, but silly, if, <laughs> if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's just part of the, the world and the culture that they live in, right? Like, even at the beginning, mm -hmm. when he's alone in his house and he has to call for the exterminators to come, like, clean up all the bodies, I forget exactly what he says, what he's ordering, whatever, but it's not like, hey, I need body cleanup, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's true. There's always a little bit of subterfuge. I don't know. I just remember finding it. It started to get a little goofy, but I enjoyed it. I, ha I had fun with it. Yeah. Um, this was also about the time I started to realize that the the economics, the value of a gold coin <laughs> did, did not make a whole lot of sense um, within about 20 minutes of each other. I think John Wick uses a coin to buy a fancy bulletproof Italian suit and also common sense uses two coins to buy two drinks for him and John Wick <laughs> at, <laughs> at a bar. <laughs> That but anyway, true. I'm, I'm, I, I'm yeah, teasing. I, I feel I feel like the coins are it's, it's like a task barter system, right? Um, yeah. So like w when when they have to get rid of eight bodies, it's a stack of eight coins. <laughs> I mm -hmm. guess drinks are like bodies. <laughs> it's an like it'd be hard to be an alcoholic in the John Wick universe. I think you would I, have I mean, to uh, you accrue have to be, a lot of favors. Yeah, you got to be a really gnarly killer. <laughs> to, that's the other thing to think about too. Is uh. Uh, killings are paid out in millions of dollars, mm -hmm. but tasks are paid out in coins. Like, is there, yeah. do you then take your millions of dollars to buy like, oh shit, I'm out of coins. I can either do some favors or I can just go. It's like the pay to win model. That's a good question. Where... <laughs> yeah. Somehow, somehow, even though we have watched where they mint the coins, we have seen how they use the coins. I've never seen how they, the assassins earn coins in any way. There, mu no. there must be some kind of exchange, but I'm not sure what it is. I feel like there's, at least in one of the films, John Wick does say to somebody, do you want to earn a coin? Um, hmm. <laughs> or something like that. But I, 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 yeah. can't, I can't remember now. It's all, it's all a wash. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I enjoyed it. it was still, I enjoyed the world building, the fact that it broadened the universe. Even if this universe is not meant to be looked at too deeply it's meant to be enjoyed on kind of vibe terms and i i love the fact that the world is being built even if i maybe wouldn't want to dissect every little detail of what is happening um in that world and it ends on just like the most thrilling ending of a john wick movie i think which is when he is about to be excommunicado and he, he you know the clock starts ticking and from then on chapter three i would argue of the three precursors that I watched before today is my favorite of the John Wick movies because it just goes completely all out. It's got, um, 
you know, the the fighters who are Japanese, who like the leader of the dojo or whatever is like a fan of John Wick. And so it's got the comedy, but it also has like the ruthless fighting. Um, yeah. It has so many different locations. We get to see the Bowery even more. And I love the whole kind of Bowery universe. Um, the Russian mob is brought in, which I thought was amazing. We get to see dogs fighting, with, which is what I had been wanting to see secretly ever since chapter one. <laughs> I want to see John Wick and a dog fight side by side against bad guys. Um, it was great. It, it, it was awesome. It ends like a in, incredibly fun um, video game where there are multiple floors, multiple levels that you have to climb to. And then at the end, you finally hit the boss. It, just so much fun. So I had a lot of fun with with the movies as I revisited them. I think the world building is slick. I think the fighting is incredibly well done. The choreography is always exciting. They do something a little bit new every episode. And yeah, I had I had a blast with all of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been a huge fan of this series since uh, you know they started coming out. And every time they announce the next one, I'm like, hell yeah, this is going to be amazing. Um, you know, like the first one knew exactly what it was. The amount of times either John Wick or a character says, uh, you, kill, you stole my car and you killed my fucking puppy. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's like, it's the most silliest pre premise about, you know, these people just do the wrong thing to the wrong person. And then that guy is just going crazy. Um, and everybody knows exactly what is coming for them. And everybody has to tell the story right before he actually comes and kills everybody. Like it, it's just really, really mm -hmm. fun. And it's trying to be intentionally silly, but each time a new installment comes out, it gets a little bit more serious, serious. It heightens the, the, the craziness of all the different stunts that they're doing and, and all the different fighting. And as, as you've said a number of times already, like it, it expands the world. We learn more about the structures that are in place in these organizations, how there's multiple continentals all over the, uh, you know, the place that are all doing their own thing that there's like, you know, different assassins that all seem to know him. Like the fact that, yeah, when, when the first time that he, that he comes across uh common in the second film or he's just like, you working tonight? He's like, I'm afraid so. Yep. <laughs> they just immediately start shooting each other in the middle of the crowd. Like, I, I, I love the playfulness of, of the way where it goes, but it just, it ramps up and ramps up and ramps up. And it's like, by the time you get to the end of Parabellum, you're like, where the hell could we even go from here? Um, right. And, uh, you know, we'll, you know we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but I will say that, you know, it, it is kind of fun rewatching all the films leading up to the to the next one. Like we did it for uh, Magic Mike <laughs> um, and, you know, we did it here for John Wick. Even when John Wick 3 came out, I went to like an Alamo Drafthouse triple screening of it. Um, and like that was really, really fun then. And it was fun to do it now. But Stephen, it's getting really hard <laughs> to try to watch. Mm -hmm. Like Justin, you're like, we're only watching one thing this weekend. Oh, no, we're actually watching four things. And I got to figure yeah. out how it does. So so I ended up doing the same same stuff I did for uh, uh, the same stuff that I did for Magic Mike, where I was literally driving to the theater the second uh, the film uh, was over and just going straight into it and being like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is so, you know this is going to be crazy sitting down to watch this after just sitting through the rest of it. But, um, I love it every time. And, uh, you know, we're going to find out shortly if, uh, I continue to love it, uh, the fourth time around. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you, you, you ready to just jump into this review, Steven? 
Oh, yeah, I'm ready. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to the trailer for John Wick Chapter 4 and then come back and give everybody a review. Saying goodbyes? Saying hello. You think your wife can hear you? No. Then why bother? Maybe I'm wrong. You're going to die. Maybe not. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. A new day is dawning. New ideas, new rules, new management. We've known each other since we were nine Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does. Please pray for me. I was the black sheep of the family. Man has to look his best when it's time to get married. Or buried. I'm going to need a gun. Goodbye, my friend. It's hard to die. If you win... The table will honor its word. You will have your freedom. Under the old laws, only one can survive. Failure to meet at sunrise will result in execution. Last words, Winston. Just have fun out there. you to find your peace but a good death only comes after a good life you and i left a good life behind a long time ago my friend Right, so that was the trailer for John Wick Chapter 4. So before the events of all the films, John Wick was a crazy assassin. Uh, he wanted to get out because of a woman. He did some impossible task, finally made it out, and then in John Wick, he gets drawn back in by a chance encounter with somebody who, after the death of his wife, uh, steals his car and kills his dog. In the following film... Uh, he is approached by somebody once again to suck him back into the world of the Continental and all this assassinry um, when he's given a marker, which basically says, yo, remember when I helped you get out originally? You now have to come back and uh, help me with this task that I have. He gets pulled back in and uh, hates how that goes so much that he ends up killing the guy who uh, he cleared the marker with. On continental grounds, which makes him excommunicado. In the third film, we get to see what happens when you're excommunicado, which basically means everybody just tries to kill you for a sweet, sweet bounty. Um, and, uh, you know, here we are in chapter four. 
there's a new a, a new organization um, that has been given power by uh, the high table, which is going around just fucking up all the shit that John Wick used to have established. And he has now, with the help of his uh, friend Morpheus in the Bowery, um, has come up with a plan for how he can potentially uh, earn freedom again by challenging somebody in the high table to some sort of combat uh, that, due to old rules, would allow him to potentially... Uh, gain back the freedom that he once had. Stephen Miller, what did you think of John Wick Chapter 4? So while I was watching, honestly, Chapter 3 and Chapter 4, I was thinking of our review of Magic Mike The Last Dance, because I have to tie every movie to Magic Mike The The Last Dance. And in this case, what you loved about that movie is they finally had decided screw hiring people who are just actors that we can train how to dance. I'm going to hire people who are incredibly good at dancing and put them in my movie. And chapter three, to an extent, um, you know, like like chapter three at least had Mark DeCascos in it, who is a martial artist. Um, but in general, like leading up to this, a lot of the villains have been like common, you know, uh, people who are not, you know, or Keanu as the hero. Like he is a good action star but he is not a martial artist in chapter four especially it feels like they just steered all in on we are going to let martial arts be you know be the star here uh donnie yen is incredibly amazing in this movie like he he makes the fighting in other movies look bad by comparison Uh, i know the gun (laughs) kata makes it so they're different but there's something here where like what he can do with just like a flick of his wrist or whatever is so damn cool um his way of fighting his style of fighting the kind of nonchalant way he does it i think is amazing um and then you also have like scott adkins showing some pretty kick-ass moves uh, in a different place It, it felt like they leveled up the fighting here in a way that i really appreciated because it also made it less about just the the headshots which are fun and are a kind of clear part of John Wick's style, but you can only see a headshot so many times until it kind of stops being interesting. And this movie, it feels like they really tripled down on like all the other ways that fighting can happen in close quarters, like a lot of hand-to-hand combat, a lot of knife stuff again, though amazing knife stuff in chapter two also. So like they've, you know, they've been doing this for a while. We get nunchucks, (laughs) we get, amazing choreographed set pieces uh we can maybe do a spoiler section but the the last big set piece of this movie i would argue is the best fight of any john wick movie which is a very 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 high bar to clear because there are some amazing fighting uh, throughout this series um so it really really puts all its eggs in that basket and i think it is awesome for that reason like i loved it i also loved it it amps up the number of locations again like it is steering into its mission impossible fast and furious style it's like okay you're going to be in new york at the beginning but then you're going to be in osaka so we're going to get to see the osaka continental which is cool as hell uh we're going to bring you to berlin because we haven't done berlin yet so you're going to (laughs) get nightclubs but they're going to be different kind of nightclubs this time we're going to bring you to Paris and we're going to have multiple famous landmarks that are the source of our fighting. It, it's just really cool. Like, like it does so much to be a crowd pleaser. Um, if I'm being nitpicky, if I'm using that part of my brain, I think the world building is flimsier here maybe than in previous chapters, just because it is slower and longer and gives us more time to think about it. Um, I think the relative value of money 
starts to confuse me because in chapter three, it was clear that being excommunicado is like a death sentence. Anywhere you go, you are constantly fighting people. Can't can't walk on the street without getting attacked. In chapter four, because they can't have John Wick just like only being attacked for the whole movie, <laughs> they have to make it so now what makes an attack come is when the bounty raises to 20 million, like the 99.9% of the people on the street weren't already content before to do anything they could to fight him. You know, like there are little things there that when I use that part of my brain, I'm like, well, okay, for expedience, you had to up the stakes and recalibrate what it takes to make someone fight John Wick. But like, I don't actually buy that. You know, there are rules about, um, duels and the old ways and stuff like that that i enjoy in this movie i like them conceptually if i think about them too hard i think they fall apart relatively quickly it's it's one of those classic things that a lot of shit would have been solved way earlier if that had been established in previous chapters (laughs) you know it's like a get out of jail free card that they decide to wait till chapter four to tell you well Um, i mean yeah to to be fair (laughs) they like I mean, yeah, it depends on how how spoilery we want to get. I, I will say this about the um about the like oh, by the time you're in the third film, we kind of realize that like New York is kind of just all assassins, like period. Yeah, everyone is like, an assassin <laughs> in the whole city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the cab drivers work, the ho- the homeless folk, they they are they're a member of the Bowery. Like like they're, they're, it's it's clear that everybody is there. So when everybody just gets a text that says like, okay, you can kill John Wick now, they're like, Oh, I'm staring at John Wick. Look at him go. Um when he's in other cities that might have more civilians in them. It's not like every single person is like, oh, I'm staring at John Wick right now. I know who John Wick is because I've been in the city where John Wick did most of his wickness. Um, it, it's it's more of a like, okay, the bounty's getting pretty good. Do I want to bother? But then on top of that, there's literally a radio program that's telling everybody where <laughs> John Wick is. Right. So, it's a it's a warrior's riff, and, it, yeah. and it's very very cool. Um, I I just think they wanted that that warrior's moment they wanted the sultry voice on the radio you know telling people to fight him and the way they made it do it was everyone gets a text saying go fight him but he's been excommunicado forever like that has been outstanding already and i know telling them where he is helps with that i just think the movie couldn't be all fight all the time so they had to find a way to slow down and pick up the pace again all i'm saying is if i'm if I'm looking at this universe as like the what is the whole mythology, if I trace from chapter one to four, how does the world work? They're they're making sacrifices to make it a more fun ride. And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. It, it, just if I'm being nitpicky, I have to point to those sacrifices. This isn't like the most perfect, pristine world building I've ever seen. It's just a hell of a lot of fun. And yeah, it gets yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger every movie. Um, and if you have to suspend disbelief, that's totally fine. A thing I felt a little off about in this movie is it also steers into the comedy more than other ones. There are falls that John Wick takes in this movie, especially Um, (laughs) characters reacting to things he does. There are things that feel more like laugh lines for the audience than I recall in previous installments. And that is, again, fun. I enjoyed it. I saw this in a packed, in a like fully packed theater on a Wednesday night, 
which goes to show how many people are watching John Wick Chapter 4 right now. Yeah. Um, they were having a blast with it. I just... I, for whatever reason, prefer this series when it is more relentless and not taking itself seriously, but at least pretending to take itself seriously. And there were a few winks and laugh lines in this movie that it kind of... I was like, you didn't need that. You you could have just kept it serious. So, I don't know. There, there was something about the tone that I didn't always love. And that probably has to do with it being, like, three hours long when it could have been two hours and 15 minutes. So, like, they filled it with more beats that I didn't really need. But the fighting is by far the best in any movie uh, in the series. The set pieces are incredible. Had a blast with it. I think it ends with a very satisfying conclusion. I'm a fan of the whole series, and I hope they stop at chapter four, at least for this particular arc of of the character. Yeah. And and, and I think, too, that, uh, you know, I think that comedy was always there. But the problem is, as as the series has gone forward, it's got more emotional. It's got a little bit darker. It's got mm-hmm. a bunch of more big ideas that were thrown into it. So so it's it's less a like, you know. In the first film, we have all the scenes where he's he's calling the dude's dad, and he's like, "I heard you were you were mean to my son." He's like, "Yeah, well, he stole John Wick's car and killed his dog." And he's like, "Oh," and then he just hangs up the phone, right? Like, like there's stuff like that where it's clearly meant to be that jokey, that jokiness, right? Like, so like that humor has definitely always been there, but I think it's just the film is so serious now about this John Wick character and his desires yeah. and what he wants and why he fights. Um, and why he's looking to get out, even though the thing that made him want to get out is already gone. So why does he need to even get out anymore if that was the thing that was making him want to get out in the first place? Like, so <clears throat> I think that, like, you know, it for me, none of that humor was a downside because that was one of the things I liked the whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was, I kind of like that bouncing back and forth of like, oh, my God, what the fuck did I just see? And then like what this is so ridiculous and silly and then like oh that's a cool idea and kind of bouncing back and forth between all those things to me it was always like a big uh you know it's a big soup that has all that stuff sort of like swirling around in it and i can nibble it whichever type of thing that i want at any given time and then you know just drink the broth at the end so yeah well and i i will say like to your point chapter three had a few big clearly humorous moments like there even in the big fights at the end of chapter three when he's like climbing his like levels of bad guys to get to the main martial artist there are a couple moments where like they are fanboys and they are students who are fighting him and they could get him and then they pause and give him another chance because they're just like having fun fighting him even though they're gonna die at the end like like that silliness has always been there it's just um like you said, maybe I think chapter four is making the emotions front and center again in a way that it hasn't done since chapter one. And that made the jokes feel more dissonant to me because this feels like the kind of the big go out on a high note, you know, conclude the story that he's been fighting for with an emotional undercurrent. And when then it is like a laugh line. Well, if we do a spoiler section, my favorite set piece had a laugh that I loved. Like, there are falls that I enjoy. There are other ones where um, he just, like, falls off a building onto a car and then gets up where I'm like, okay, we're just in Looney Tunes land now. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's very funny, but it is, like, not in-world funny to me. It's more like you are testing the limits of what you can do to this character and still make the audience you know, yeah, yeah. care about what he does next. 
Yeah, no, 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 for sure. And, and I think, too, that, you know, I, I've heard lots of people complain about the bulletproof suits, like, throughout time. Um, I love them. Yeah, one of the things I love about them the most, um, and, you know, it gets even more excessive in this one, is is just the idea that, like, like earlier you were saying that, like, a headshot is only fun so many times. But what I love about the bulletproof suits is it's like, the bullets are just punching. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a means to like that. That's why it gets so funny at the end of Parabellum, where like now everybody has like full on armor, so you can shoot mm-hmm. them. But but it, it's it's not just suits that are bulletproof. It's like these you know motorcycle helmet type things, and it's like you're just trying to concuss them enough to distract them for a second, so you can shove a gun like up underneath the helmet and like shoot them in the head a couple times or something like that. Right. Which begs the obvious question that I know the answer to, why does John Wick not wear a helmet and or a bulletproof mask? And the answer is he's too fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, too too cool. Uh, or, you know, it could be that just they want you to see that it's him <laughs> shooting yeah. the guns and getting the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I love John Wick Chapter 4. Um, I thought it was uh, it was fantastic. It, like, the, the series is so fun. Like, I, I feel like... I feel like you'd be hard pressed to if you've seen any of the other ones, you'd be hard pressed to walk and you, you might be confused as hell at what the mm-hmm. what, where how we got to where we are. But I think just going in and watching this for what it is, like an amazing action film that is just escalating and escalating and ex- escalating until the final release of the film is just like you know, it, it's just a ride that uh, you kind of have to experience. Like it's so fun, it's so inventive, it's you know, it's tongue in te- cheek while being super serious. Um, it is action like you've never seen before. <laughs> it's, it's just, I don't know, er, every scene, like I was tired by the end of this film, like not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I was just like exhausted. Because, because, I mean, yeah. it could have been that I literally woke up at 630 in the morning to start watching John Wick chapter two <laughs> and then watched, watched all the last Wait, two you are- before sitting down to, to see the third one. Um, you did it all in one day? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, chapter two, one, three, Chapter one, I'd watched the day before, and then I watched mm-hmm. two, three, and four all in one day. <laughs> wow. That is commitment. <laughs> but it was worth it. I mean, it's it it's it's an inventive series, and, uh, you know, I, I love that it plays with the world it is into. Like, this is a film where, like, you can't count bullets because it's never going to make sense. But then it almost feels like a joke when, uh, you, you know... Um, Morpheus pulls out a gun. And he's like, "I got you this special gun. It's got a twenty-three round magazine." <laughs> and I'm like, "Does it though?" <laughs> because mm-hmm. that seems like the same size clip as that seven bullet magazine you <laughs> had last time. <laughs> like, you can't just hold a standard size gun and say like this is a twenty-three round magazine. But do you think Lawrence Fishburne had it in his contract that his character has to laugh maniacally every like? two lines in all of these movies <laughs> i mean I'm it's not, like his favorite thing to do in these movies i'm not even sure that he was actually cast in this film he might have just been showing up and doing that because <laughs> he definitely feels like he is in his like he's doing his just own thing like he's like i'm just happy to be here <laughs> it's good i times. do want to um acknowledge lance reddick by the way lance reddick passed away uh, i don't I I think he he passed away very shortly before the movie officially came out. So I assume yeah, it was all like of on us Friday after watching the news. Yeah, yeah. Um, that 
that was definitely already sad. I had loved him from The Wire, too. But I was a little bummed. I thought I was going to get to see him kind of go out in a blaze of glory in this movie, at least. And unfortunately, the way the plot progresses, he isn't around for a lot of this movie. Like, yeah. I'm glad I saw Chapter 3 so recently because I got to see him, like, kick serious ass um, in my in my recent memory. But anyway, that is sad on its face and then also unfortunate that the movie couldn't find more to to do with him here yeah like uh obviously they didn't have time to change any <laughs> anything about that um and even if they did there's nothing they could really do um but yeah it was definitely yeah. it was definitely kind of weird watching the way things play out in this um yeah though uh, there is a moment later in the movie that that almost feels like it would have been an open acknowledgement of grieving the actor that just happens to i i won't spoil the movie but it, it comes around later where there's a moment that hit hit pretty hard that felt um couldn't have been planned but it it fit the moment correctly but yeah, yeah. the the beginning wasn't wasn't the biggest fan of that yeah for sure um let's see can we talk what? about bill skarsgård what do you think of bill skarsgård as a villain in these movies I I like him as a villain. I don't like his weird French accent. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> like if I was just watching the trailers, I'm like, oh, this is such a smart decision. And then and then his first scene happened. And I was like, hmm, it was mostly a smart decision. <laughs> yeah. Like, why did he have to be French? Like, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't have a good answer for it. Um, like I know they want to name him Marquis, and they want the location of a lot of the movie to be in Paris, but he could have just been Swedish. You know, he could have been been who he is. Would have worked fine. Yeah. I am. This is going to be a little spoilery to say, um, so I apologize. I just have to say it anyway. I wanted to see him fight. And I was kind of bummed that you don't really get to see his character fight in this movie, nor do you get any sense that he would be capable of, you know, fighting anyone in any way. Yeah. Though, if we would have gotten to see him actually kick ass, and then every time he finishes some moves, he has to, like, fix his little vest on his yeah. on his, <laughs> on his suit. Like, it, it could have played in with his character pretty well, but... I. I see him with, like, a bunch of knives going full Pennywise on, like, just fighting in chaos mode. I feel like he could have he could have pulled it off. Yeah. Or if, uh, if you know, the other guy didn't already have... If Kane didn't already have a Kane, I could see him fighting mm -hmm. with a sword Kane. <laughs> yeah. I can see that, too. Also, I, 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 I want to say this, this hilarious moment, and it was just, just for me, just because, like, I... I I didn't I didn't clock what what was being said at the same time but um you know first they mentioned that Donnie's character's name is Kane but then we cut mm -hmm. to him with a cane and yeah. I was like oh that's kind of fucked up isn't it and then the next line from Bill Skarsgård's mouth is I have a name for you and in my head, I was like is this motherfucker gonna tell him Bullying that he, him. everybody else has been calling him Kane <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, like a name of a person you need to kill. I got it. Okay. I got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was curious if that was a, uh, like a Cain and Abel thing where John Wick is Abel and he's Cain and he, I, I don't know. I couldn't, 
I, I, obviously, there's a double entendre on him having a cane, too, but I wasn't sure <laughs> totally what they were going with. And at the end, when he smashes his head with a rock, I'm just... Uh... <laughs> I, that didn't actually happen in the movie for anybody who doesn't get that I was yes-anding the cane and Abel thing. <laughs> yep. Speaking of world-building that doesn't show you everything... I, I've heard some people being unhappy with the fact that the, the character of the tracker, we don't get to see quite as much as maybe is promised in the movie that we will. I like the fact that we don't get to fully understand what a tracker skill set is or what motivates them. Like, I, I, I actually enjoyed that little bit of lore without getting a whole lot. Like, I filled in the gaps of this is how they differ from pure assassins this is why they do what they do this is what they're good at but i i don't know i i actually enjoyed how the movie handled him i thought he was an interesting addition to this world of types of characters yeah I, i'm sort of of like two minds on that character just in general because he's sort like it feels a little bit like he's supposed to be an audience surrogate um at times where he is supposed to be responding the way we in the audience are responding to the stuff that we're watching um but then he's mm -hmm. also just kind of hanging around doing his own thing that's technically of no consequence to uh, the story at large. Um, mm -hmm. And it was kind of, I was always wondering what was going to happen with the character. And I kind of feel like the answer to that question is the character who calls himself nobody is also the character who does nothing. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I, I don't fully know how to feel about it. Like I liked, I liked the moments that, you know, we got to feature him, but right. I kind of was kind of like, when is this going to be relevant to the events that are happening? Oh, this is just a side thing that's there for fun as well. Mm -hmm. um, but his yeah, gun I is just, I, I like the well, idea. I like I like the idea of there being targets in this world and people who are very good at finding them who are trying to kind of jack up the price and like they will yeah. either protect or fight and they kind of can hold hostage whoever is them. Um, putting a name out and like opening a contract. I, I thought that was a cool wrinkle though. I also have to say like, how much money does one person need? Like what is the, it goes back to what gold coins are worth. Like, yeah. I, I don't know who are these people that like will not kill for $20 million, but will absolutely kill for $23 million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so one thing too is, do you think that Willem Dafoe was also a tracker? Mm, yeah, because he fills a similar role yeah. in, in this movie. It did make me think of Willem Dafoe. Yeah, I feel like he was. All right, there we go. You hear, you heard it here. We're, we're breaking this one yeah. open. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. In terms of, like, one thing this series has been very good at is every time I have something I want to happen, it feels like they know that I want that, and then they make it happen. Like... I had wanted to see where the coins come from. And then almost immediately chapter three showed me where the coins come from. Um, I had wanted to see a dog fight and then I got to see a dog fight. I wanted to see the crime syndicate expand even further and they expanded it even further. Like it, it does a really good job of all of that. One thing chapter four made me want that I couldn't see is so Donnie Yen's character is a blind fighter. Um, it it is like and he fights in very cool ways and the movie goes to length to kind of explain how he can do that he has this amazing scene where he uses these like doorbells that he sets up 
to signal when people are in a certain area so he can react to that. Um, there's a lot of cool shit there. Not that long into the movie, there is a scene in a blaringly loud techno hall. And I want to know how his character navigates those situations. Like, is it tactile? What would he do? And I feel like it was a missed opportunity to not show him fight in a situation where audio is hard to discern. Um, I I thought the movie was going to give me the goods and have some amazingly brilliant thing that he would do, and then they just didn't do it. So one time it couldn't predict what I wanted. See, see for me, the best part about his character is that as proficient as he was, he's still just a blind person stumbling around. (laughs) So it's like he would do some incredible flashy move, and then he'd like tap stuff with his sword cane to figure out if he was where he thought he was standing. And it like, it, it just, it made it fun to, it's like, he knows enough about how this stuff goes. And also some, some of his attacks almost in a way feel more flourishy than accurate. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, it, it almost feels, it almost feels in a way like he is smoking mirroring his, his combat a little bit where it's like, he is good. He is really, really accurate when he has enough sensory information but if he doesn't, he's just showing the confidence of somebody who, <laughs> who mm-hmm. can fight. He's overwhelming. Um, I mean, I see. I read it as kind of like the the drunken master style of fighting, where it's like he is disarming and confusing because he zigs when you think he's going to zag. He like you know. he, and you're right. Like that couldn't be a style that is a necessity of being a blind assassin. Right? Is you have to overwhelm with something else. But I saw it as like fighters don't know what to do with him because they can't predict where he's going to go because he's not looking he isn't giving a cue of what he's going to do next yeah and i I thought that was a cool a cool fighting style so maybe the answer is he he is like a tracker he is smart and knows his limits and where he should be and where he wouldn't be so he would he would lay low in a techno scene and like maybe eat another bowl of ramen or something if they serve (laughs) it there too and just wait for his moment to strike Oh yeah, the the other thing that's awesome about that character that we learn is like the background of of uh, why he is a blind assassin, and if you try to like work that backwards into like what we're talking about his fighting style and everything is like how much was he using sight before he went blind? You know what I mean? Because it definitely feels right. like you know without actually giving away this backstory, like it feels like you have to be you know you're all willing to give up something for whatever reason it is that you might have to give something up. But choosing to to have that happen is just... It's it's interesting in the context of what you actually do. Unless that was your cheat of hopefully getting out. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think there needs to be a there. I know they're doing spinoffs already, like a spinoff TV show, I believe. And then also spinoff movies have been hinted at uh, for people who wait through the credits. Um, I want there to be a White Lotus for staff at the Continental. (laughs) 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 I want to know what a regular person (laughs) serving everyone and then having this wild shit happen, how they would observe the world. That's the thing is technically wild shit shouldn't be happening, right? Like that's the whole point of the mm-hmm. continental, um, which yeah. is still like, you know, it's always been there, but it's always been that really, really fun. Just the idea that like New York is just riddled with assassins. Like you just go outside mm-hmm. and somebody could be there to kill you. But there's this one hotel 
where you can all go and you could be sitting mm-hmm. there having a drink with your target, um, the person you want to kill, and you're sitting there having your bourbon and your gin, and you just can't do anything because this is the place you go when you can't do anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that idea of the consecrated continental, which is kind of why, as much as I love the world building of seeing deconsecration, it kind of feels like by chapter four, we have seen so many times it has been violated. The uh, the coolness of it as a sanctuary kind of, I don't, I don't know. I, I like story-wise that they went for it, but I just, I like the feeling in a movie of having that pause where you are in a in a place where no fighting can take place. And I think I, I kind of missed that after so many chapters. Yeah. So I, I will say if I can do my, my nitpick of, of this story, I kind of like, I get Bill Skarsgård's character, right. Is leading a group of people who were tasked and given power by the high table. But mm-hmm. we only ever see one representative from the high table. <laughs> I feel yeah. like the whole thing about the high table is it's like a like big cabal of people that can all like they're ruling everybody. Right. Like it, it's mm-hmm. and I feel like having it always be represented by one person feels a little bit strange. Um, and I'm sure there's no more budget left after all the shit you've broken and exploded and the amount of squibs are, that are going off. <laughs> like there's, there's, you know, it, it's fine to keep it sort of pared down, but I, I think I would like to see something about like, you know, whether it's the extravagance of it or something like, I, I want to know more about the high table. And that's the thing that like the series hasn't given me at all. We've seen, there's always one person that sits above the high table. I don't understand mm-hmm. how that power structure works. Um, yeah. And also, if you go to the middle of a desert to see somebody who you nobody can actually see, but can only be seen if they want to appear to them at the last moment before you die, <laughs> who's telling any messages that you make a deal right. with there to other people? You're like, I don't, I don't get the above yeah. the high table thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of think in the the world building, I love so much of it. The the man above the high table kind of a little too far for me because it it breaks the world a bit more yeah um it's it's still fun but i don't know and then this movie um doesn't spend much time uh, thinking about the man above the high table and i kind of honestly found it a little anticlimactic yeah, the way yeah. it handled that but whatever that's fine i i totally get what you mean about wanting to see the it, well this speaks to the relative threat of every movie and how when you keep upping the ante those older things start to not it, they don't mesh with older threats anymore like the high table as established in chapter three especially is you are dead you are dead if the high table wants you dead you have absolutely no hope you know th- there's not a chance in hell they are they're going to come at you forever they are invincible they are everywhere they're all powerful and then you need to keep having more movies. So like, they can't be that anymore. So now it's like a, a video game or an anime where like, oh, here's this sub boss instead that is going to be the uh, the bad guy you have to fight. Like, it's fine. It's fun. But as a cohesive story, like, 
everything can't be the biggest all-powerful force that you could never ever beat like like at, yeah. at a certain point you just uh there's too many infinities and you like lose track but I'm, if you think about it though like that is why all these things keep going down right because like as we've talked about like we don't understand how the high high table works the high table can only work because people accept it as being the high table the continentals can only work because people fear the rules that the high table lays down that govern the continentals and what's what's there so it's kind of like if one man is allowed to just buck the system and continue to live it could just be anarchy, Stephen. Like people could just be yeah. shooting stuff up in continentals all over the world. Like we need to see that there are consequences for the actions of somebody who stands up to the high table. Um, and uh, you know, a character might actually say the word consequences out loud in this film. <laughs> yeah, maybe like fifty times. <laughs> I do a- another thing when I think about the arc of these movies. So chapter one, two, and three. We were talking about this yesterday. They're basically all one week, like one fever dream yeah. of the saga of what happens after the funeral of John Wick's wife. Um, how is he dealing with his grief and what does he do to people who piss him off in his moment of grief? And there is a really coherent story there about his grief and acceptance. It's kind of like um, grief is magnified to a ridiculous comic book extreme where he's like aggrieved, therefore he is going to murder everyone in all of New York, right? (laughs) Um, This movie does a good job toward the end having a grace note and kind of tying it back to that. But I do, I I feel like the story of John Wick as the depressed, aggrieved um, widower it kind of is lost a little bit. Like at a certain point he becomes a superhero and then that vibe just kind of goes away. And I don't know, I can't really put it into words, but there's something slick and elegant about like the pairing of one and two, especially as a story about this guy's like relentless grief and rage that um, it, it just, it hits different now. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel the same and I don't know why, but it, it doesn't feel as like neat and tidy anymore. Yeah. But it's all it's a lot of outside factors, right? That mm-hmm. made it unneat and untidy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also he has become a vessel now for the Game of Thrones, basically. He you know he he is like <laughs> his goals have changed because different people have different goals and he's just like a weapon that they'll use. Hey, at the beginning of uh John Wick chapter three, he tried to say peace. Mm-hmm. He was like, I just want my car. And then, we'll, yeah. and then we can call this piece. <laughs> I think, no, that's after the beginning of two. I was thinking of two. Mm. It's just, he gets fucked up by the marker dude at yeah. the end of two, which causes three to happen. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not his fault. He just wanted out, Steven. Yeah. Why can't, why can't people let him go home? <laughs> I know. I know. He wanted to go home at the end of three, two, probably. And then uh, got thrown off a building. Yep. What are you going to do? All right. Should we, should we get to our, our verdict, Stephen, if people haven't figured it out yet? <laughs> sure. All right. If you're going to give us a must-see, recommend the caveat, wait for until pass to the caveat or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I've got to give it a must-see still. I, I thought this movie was awesome. I loved it. The movie is primarily about stunt choreography, and it is 
some of the best stunt choreography I've ever seen in a, in a blockbuster. It, it's just amazing. So you you have to watch this movie. The dedication they give to the craft is incredible, and I think they tie the story of John Wick nicely. And I honestly hope they don't disrupt that, even though. All signs of money point to the idea that eventually they are going to disrupt it. Um, <laughs> if I had to give a ranking, because I've been thinking about this a lot lately, I think mine is pretty different from what most of the internet would do. I think I would go f- three, four, one, two. But I, all of them are great. But I think like John Wick hit its peak in Chapter 3 in terms of going bigger and bigger and bigger while not being so long that it started to like kind of betray the tone that it had set up before john mc4 has higher highs john mc1 is so elegant and tight it deserves to be there chapter two i still really liked i just feel like it, it it's like the awkward middle child where it hasn't like totally figured out yet how big the universe is supposed to be and it also isn't quite as slick as the first one so but they're all musty maybe two is a recommend with a caveat for me that, that's about <laughs> where my cutoff is um, yeah, for me, this is a must see. Um, for me, it's also really, really hard to try and rank them because in some way, like, as you said, one is sort of the cleanest self-contained, but that's mm-hmm. because it was the newest. It knew it, it wanted to be the silly concept and it hadn't tried to expand away from that yet. Like in some ways, I think that they just continue to get better every time. Mm. Um, in some ways, when I go back and start watching the first one again, it feels a little bit lesser in a way, even though it's mm-hmm. it's the it's the it's the simplest, most reduced form of what these things are. But it's only because I was just you know, it's, it's like I it's like a black coffee is is the most perfect coffee you can make. But also, if I just had some crazy you know super peppermint spice spice something or other. And then I taste like a regular plain coffee. I'm like, oh, whoa, that tastes different, right? <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It doesn't mean that I think that you should do all that stuff to a regular thing of black coffee. But also, I just blew out my palate on all the other stuff. <laughs> so it's like hard to... Right, yeah. You you just drank like an imperial stout and now you're like sipping on a Pilsner and you just can't really taste yeah, yeah. it the same way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you get it. You get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got you. It could be a really good, great Pilsner. <laughs> is is there anything that you are really desperately wanting to talk about spoiler-wise, Stephen? I think we alluded to them well enough. I mean, every every podcast on the planet is going to talk about these action set pieces. I agree. They are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> there's an overhead one that is amazing in video gamey. Um, there's one involving stairs. Uh, if you have been a tourist before you probably know already what stairs those would be in in these locations um that is just incredible there's a road one in a circle where again if you have been a tourist in these locations you maybe can figure out where they are that kicks ass the the movie kicks ass but apparently there were no tourists at the time in the universe of the film because nobody stopped driving (laughs) that's true yeah (laughs) Like so, I, I was looking up what what stunts does Keanu do and what doesn't he do because they claim that he is in like ninety percent of the movie, but I can't imagine he is taking ninety percent of the blows. Like it seems like just you wouldn't risk your golden goose that way, yeah. Um, probably, but he did absolutely learn how to 
pull off those tricks while driving. And he talks about that. And I think it's pretty awesome to imagine him doing it. Yeah, I think over the years with all the films, I've seen all the the videos of him just like shooting guns and going through like the, the little courses and just like firing stuff. I'm like, all right, he's he's got the gun stuff down for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I also a comment that I forgot to make before the movie does have fun kind of winking at the world of movies the whole way through like chapter two opens with like a buster keaton motorcycle gag before panning down and having the real motorcycle crash just beneath it um chapter three like the whole russian mob lives at the tarkovsky theater in new york which does not make sense but he's just like a big russian director uh this movie opens with a lawrence of arabia reference and then it also has a warriors reference there's these people like movies, and it's a, it's just like a fun little wink, especially when they're being extra cheesy, and then they throw some like highbrow reference in there. I'm like, okay, guy, you're, you you know you're silly, and you're also pointing at other things too. I don't know. I had fun every time that happened. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for our review of John Wick Chapter Four. Uh, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can find me at twitter.com/sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from artlist.io, so hopefully you are enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that's it. We are going to take off, and we'll be back sometime in the near future with a review of something else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Later. Later.